0: geopolitics in empire is joined once again by johnny of the staying free podcast this is our uh, now it's becoming a tradition our biannual puerto vallarta in-person uh podcast so how are things going
1: yeah i'm doing good All right yeah i mean there's still more you know we could do we could do more we're only in what is it august so you know it's two so far this year
0: (laughs) we could do one every quarter uh so yeah we're down here at the beach and Mexico and, uh, you know, may, maybe to start to, to get an update with what's new with, uh, with uh, you know, Johnny's world, the staying free podcast world uh, and, and, and so forth.
1: Yeah, it's all going good. I mean, you know, I think like since we last talked, just been a matter of like continuing having the conversations and, you know, having conversations that are not going to have on the mainstream media, just like having conversations about real things that real people actually actually care about. Uh, I think, you know, as we were talking about before, um, like I've definitely suffered from a lot more censorship lately. I've had two of my episodes, I think from last time we spoke, um, which were, which have now been banned from YouTube. The first was with a vaccine injured guy, um, who's called Alex Mitchell. I don't know if you've heard the name. He's very, uh, big in the UK kind of, um, movement for vaccine justice. That one got banned by YouTube, which was kind of very telling about like where their loyalties lie. And then I've had another one since uh, also for for kind of similar reasons, but much more casual, just a casual off off the cuff mention of the thing. I know I just said the word, but uh, so hopefully this episode will be all right. But um, yeah, just uh, battling against that censorship and trying to find ways to navigate around it. You know, but there's always ways to navigate around it. But uh, yeah, that's just something that I'm having to deal with a lot more. But, uh, you know, I expected it. It's all part, part of this game.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit more about that because I think you and I were messaging over the past few weeks where we saw, so o- Odyssey and Library, right? I've had Jeremy Kaufman, the the head of Library on my TNT radio show last year. He was also running for governor, I think, of New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. He's he's really funny, cool guy. But the, the SEC ruled against um, Library and they just tweeted they're going to closed down library. So I don't know what that means for Odyssey, but you were making a point like it was a dumb idea. I guess it is a security. It was a dumb idea to create these tokens for Odyssey. And and I think any other such platforms, um, it probably would have been better just to use uh, Bitcoin. And so what are your thoughts on the state of alternative media infrastructure? Because we can't use YouTube anymore. I'm already on one strike. Uh, You just said you're on two strikes there's rumble you know rumble so far is pretty good bit um brighteon i tried YouTube. it just didn't i couldn't even use it for, mm-hmm. for that or no brand youtube that's brand the one thing yeah. i just didn't work for me i couldn't even do uh, uh log in i don't know what's going on there uh there's rockfin um twitter now is i'm uploading my these youtubes for some people might be listening now on twitter So, what are your thoughts? And Facebook, I've started uploading as well to Facebook. Um, So, what are your thoughts on this? On the state of the infrastructure of alternative media, and in general, uh, alt media, how it's going?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that gap is there's a lot of different things. As you, you mentioned, a lot of them there that are actually trying to to fill that gap. You know, there is a few different companies trying to do it, and I think that ultimately one is going to succeed. I don't know which one it is yet, but I suspect that it's going to be Rumble. Now, the problem with all of these things is, you know, for instance, with Rumble, they're actually listed on the stock market now, right? So, like, all they have to do is just continue what they're doing and having open, free conversations. And there's every chance that they they will not, they will either, you know, presumably they'll suffer from some kind of consequences in terms of, you know, um, their stock price, whether that's that they will just... Um, there's the ESG stuff. You know, will they just give them a poor ESG ESG score? I'm not sure exactly how it will go, but for now, I think that Rumble is a good option. Now, when it comes to the others, like you mentioned, I think that this this kind of trend of using these like coins to try to like fund these enterprises is 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 kind of just pointless. Like you know, if the problem is censorship resistance, if you want censorship. Resistance with these platforms, just use Bitcoin. Like you know, it's it's not that hard to do. You just incorporate that. The problem is they're kind of essentially these quasi securities, which they legitimately are. And you know, I'm not one to kind of essentially say, oh well, yeah, the, the government should be telling everyone what they can and cannot do if they want to have an unreg- unregistered securities. You can have a separate debate about whether the nature of having registered versus unregistered securities, um whether that's a moral or immoral thing, or whether we should accept it, but. Under the current paradigm, we have this thing, um, you know, called security laws, and they are in violation of it. And I think unnecessarily so, you know, it's not even it's not necessary to have these tokens. Just if you want the censorship resistance, use Bitcoin and then continue everything else as normal. So I don't think any of these platforms that have a token are going to succeed into the future. In, in, In my view, they are all kind of kneecapping themselves to some degree, which is why I think that, you know, my money is on Rumble to be the kind of ultimate um, winner, but you know, obviously they'll face their own, their own problems, but more generally, like it's good to see, we know that there is going to be something that's just going to have to replace this function of YouTube, which is political content, alternative media, all these things. YouTube has shown very clearly that they're unwilling to fulfill that role. So we just need to kind of like figure out which one it's going to be. And, you know, the one which does kind of reign successful in the end, I think is going to be, a real, real big winner. It's a huge, huge market.
0: Riots across Europe, unprecedented food and energy inflation, increasing military conflict around the globe, and a rising digital police state. The fourth turning is here, and so is the Expat Money Summit. The free online event, expatmoneysummit.com, is back and will help you navigate these turbulent times, featuring dozens of renowned experts such as Dr. Ron Paul, international man Doug Casey, Jim Rogers and Mark Faber, the summit will reveal how you can reclaim your freedom abroad, reduce your tax bill, protect your wealth, obtain multiple citizenships and residencies, become part of a like-minded global community, and more. Founder of expatmoney.com, Mikhail Thorup, will be your guide on this journey to protect yourself from economic collapse, World War III, authoritarian Western regimes, and Klaus Schwab's Great Reset. Simply go to expatmoneysummit.com and enter your email to reserve a free ticket to the event do it now yeah and, and BitChute, for example they don't have any tokens so they're they're still trudging uh, along they're, they're not doing the token stuff they're kind of like in the vein of rumble and brightion mike adams is brightion he just so he he didn't create his own token i believe he just incorporated uh, monero so i guess he'd be doing something that you think is a Good idea, no? By uh, incorporating an existing,
1: yeah, yeah. If they incorporate, if they incorporate something existing, as long as that existing thing is itself censorship resistant. Now, Monero like probably is um, very, very censorship resistant compared to most of these coins. So, I still think that Bitcoin is the gold standard. You know, Monero uh, like I will give it give it a pass, especially because you know it's listed on like a lot of different exchanges, etc. So, if you want to actually convert that into money, fair enough personally i would rather see them use bitcoin because most of the time with bitcoin you know people want to actually keep the money in bitcoin you don't need to you don't need the on and off ramps if you incorporate something like monero monero great you've incorporated something that is censorship resistant but do people want to store their money in monero most of the time not most of the time people are just using as a kind of transitionary privacy coin so eventually you're going to have to try and you know get to an on off ramp and convert to something else so i still think that Bitcoin is the best option, but I have more respect for that than just rolling their own token and kind of trying to print their own money, essentially.
0: All right, yeah. And maybe now to get to the new world order, the great reset, uh, when it comes to all this globalist tyranny, Mm -hmm. um, you know, everyone knows what's at the top of my mind. Uh, And then, you know, I get guests on from different persuasions who, you know, are focused on different issues. And so... When it comes to this whole globalist tyranny right now, uh, what are some of the, the key things uh, on your mind that you're freaked out about, that you're not freaked out about, uh, and, and, and so forth?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the things that the main thing that I'm kind of concerned about, which has been really, it's kind of remained unchanged, is CBDCs and where everything's going with that. Uh, CBDCs and digital identity, which I think are both going to be Part of the same thing. So, you know, we can talk about them separately, but I kind of think that one is dependent on the other. We're probably going to need the digital ID before the CBDC. Um, but they will come in some kind of a package. So I think the things that the thing that most concerns me at the moment is they're starting to kind of really hype up this WorldCoin stuff. Uh, and I think that WorldCoin is like a real threat because I think that they've deliberately manufactured consent through everything that OpenAI is doing with ChatGPT. They've kind of manufactured this consent for this company, you know, being, you know, really this futuristic player and stuff. And I think that people who aren't, you know, the way inclined that we are, and who aren't looking at the kind of like the risks of this stuff, they're probably just saying, Oh, what a great company, you know, like they've, they've got this, um, this chat GPT stuff, it's the next revolution. And now they want to do this. Uh, now they want to, you know, scan people's irises and start doing this stuff. I think that some people are just going to Trust this company, and you know it's not only Worldcoin. I mean, I'm I'm using that as an example, but even everything that Elon Musk is doing, I think that you've got these certain players that are, that are vying for acceptance in the mainstream, um, and I actually think that they are, you know, just an extension of the deep state. I think that Worldcoin is, I think that Elon Musk is, and I think that. Twitter is and now we're going towards X and I've started to see that it looks like he's going to start doing some kind of ID verification. Uh, I think that will come eventually. I mean, maybe it's not here right now, but I think at some point they're going to make it so that if you want a Twitter, if you want to be Twitter verified, you've got to show your passport, you've got to show your driving license. It's going to start attaching these things to your real identity. So I don't think it's going to happen in one go. I don't think it's like, you know, the government's just going to one day, you know, come around to your house and say, you know, okay, we're taking your fingerprints, your irises, and we're going to give you a digital identity. What's going to happen is that people are going to take these baby steps towards it, like they're doing now, you know, like with Twitter verification, you know, before... You could just be on Twitter and you could just use it. Now it's like, okay, well, you give us a bit of information. You know, you give us your your phone number. We need two-factor authentication. Now you can get it. And then they will kind of keep adding things into that mix. And then over time, before you know it, it's like you're just used to doing that. Every single service you sign up for, you're used to completely doxing your real identity. And then those things will plug into each other, right? You know, maybe you'll have shared identity. Maybe you'll have a third-party service that says, oh, hey, you know, you need all of this... um, real identity verification for Twitter, and you also need it for Facebook, and you also need it for whatever the other thing is, your world coin or whatever, you know, will be the third party thing. You can verify with us, and then we'll just link it up to everything. And before you know it, you're you're starting to kind of just enter this new paradigm when when your real identity is just, you know, um, everyone knows it. Your online activity and your real world identity are kind of inseparable. And at that point, it's just going to be incredibly easy you know, once the government can just start running algorithms and, uh, you know, to, to, to try and find out what this person said online. You were mentioning before that you've had a, a video on YouTube that you made two years ago and that they've just taken it down. Right. So like what's to say that they won't do that with tweets? What's to say that, you know, the government comes in and says, hey, you know, like we we know that, you know, everyone's real identity. We want to know if you said anything bad about whatever the, the, the thing is, whatever the, the current thing is or was at the time. You know, search a database, find those people. Now we know their real identity. Now we, you know, we can um, subpoena you and say, sorry, you got to give up their identification. We're going to go around to the house. This sounds like science fiction, but that's, you know, China's doing it right now. And um, all the sentiment in the West is is suggesting that we're going in the exact same direction.
0: I could see them sending or uh, WorldCoin orb eye scanning drones to people's houses. Someone who wants to say, okay, I want my Twitter blue verification and now you need your eye scanned and they deploy a drone to your (laughs) house outside your window and it just scans your eye. And yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, I've been, you know, since 2020 or even earlier, that's why I was looking for people. One of my favorite guests of 2020 was Edwin Black, who coined the phrase algorithm ghetto and cast society and he calls it not eugenics, but new genics and you know, I had Patrick Wood on, I think, 2019. And so for me, this is the big, you know, this is the big boss at the end of the video game is, you know, as you said, CBDC, digital ID, that's it. There's there's nothing else. Anything else is on the periphery, even the war uh, stuff. I don't think World War Three can be as damaging as this. And so, and I'm not, you know, a lot of people are Pretty much coming to the same conclusion. <clears throat> this, this is the thing, uh, and since you're originally from the UK, I'm curious. I don't. I, I need to have more guests from UK on. But um, you know w- what's going on. You know, in general, that's interesting for you in the UK, and and also in some ways, doesn't the UK seem to be one of the places that are advancing more in these control systems? Or no?
1: I mean, it's. It's difficult to say. I mean, the Bank of England has talked a few times about this thing that they're calling Bitcoin, which I think is a very deliberate, they've tried to call it that, to try and associate it with what people are thinking about Bitcoin and to try and kind of co-opt that name and maybe co-opt some of the kind of like positive reception that people get from it. Um, but this is essentially just a central bank digital currency. Um, you know, they, they're always talking about it. They talk about it all the time. You know, the British Parliament, they really think that they're these kind of, you know, tech bros it's really weird like the way they they talk about things it's like they all think that you know they're going to usher in this new futuristic future that everyone cares about and first of all i don't think anyone believes it second of all they don't actually have the technical competency to do it and third it's a dystopia anyway and sometimes i wonder like do they even recognize the dystopia or are they bought into it are they bought into their own bullshit essentially um but you know i think that it's going to happen in the uk um it's just the same as everywhere. I wouldn't say that it's kind of like more or less um, totalitarian or more or less um, complete than other CBDCs. It's probably going to come around at a similar time. I mean, just in general, though, about U- UK politics, like I just think that it's a it's a mess. Honestly, I think that uh, I think the country has nothing left to offer. And, and I kind of you know I say that with a heavy heart because obviously, like you know, I'm not someone who's just um, you know I I, I care about. I do care about my country and the direction it's going, but I just don't see, I don't see what's positive anymore in the UK. Like, you know, you've got huge cost of living increases. You've got, um, you know, so many people like with just huge levels of household debt, you know, when COVID rolled around, we kind of showed that we didn't really care about freedoms either, that even that aspect of the kind of British nature. Okay. Fair enough. There was obviously pockets of resistance that I was very like proud of, but like in a general sense, I thought that it was kind of pretty weak. Um, you know, we had some of the longest, uh, lockdowns of anywhere. Um, they, you know, they, they made some strides in terms of vaccine, um, kind of proof of vaccination. They did actually try to, try to bring it around in the end. It was kind of ultimately unsuccessful, but, um, you know, we went there. So yeah, I don't, I don't really have much kind of positive hope for the UK. I think that I mean, my, you know, what I always say about like these kind of Western, like more legacy countries, you know, countries that, in my opinion, are living off the steam of a prior history is that the thing that they've all got going for them or that they did have going for them was that they had a strong rule of law and that they protected your freedoms and that you knew that you could have things like fair trial. You knew that you could, uh, you know, have free freedom of association and you had free speech, et cetera. All of that was thrown out of the window when it came to COVID. Everything went out of the window and it, for me, it completely flipped the table Um, you know, no longer was it kind of a balancing act of, you know, these countries, yes, they're expensive and yes, they're, you know, uh, not, they're, they're less beautiful and they're colder. And, you know, in terms of like, especially Northern Europe, but then the, but then it was completely flipped over that balance when they said, well, now we're going to throw out the rule of law and basic freedom because it's like, well, if the West doesn't have that, like you are really, really scraping the barrel to find reasons that these countries should be, um, should be rich and should be successful. So I think that you know honestly a lot of people are um I mean even people I know like are just losing kind of confidence in it. And obviously like you you know you could say well because I'm doing the podcast and stuff I have spe- people speaking to me who are already kind of feeling that um that I guess pessimism. But it does seem to me like it's definitely stepped up a notch. I think a lot of people are really thinking about the direction of the country and whether it's a good one. And, you know, I, I just don't see any positivity from anyone on, on any political side. That's
0: a, that segues well into uh, Mexico. And as you said, you know, it's it's colder out there in Europe, it's, it's colder, uglier. And, but at least you had rule of law. Uh, and now you don't even have that. And so then, you know, me- places like Mexico look much nicer, where at least, you know, if you're not going to have rule of law, it's nice to be here, right? Exactly um, and your sentiment as well. You know, there's a really cool guy, a Canadian. Uh, his Twitter handle is DeWald. If you're listening, shout out. Uh, I think he's Christian as well. He came down to Canada. He just He's along the same lines. As you're talking about UK, he's talking about Canada. I just uh, um, connected with, with uh, I think, one of his associates, who's another Canadian who may have even been working in the government, who went down to Ecuador. Uh, And they're all just saying Canada has complete, it's dead, it's collapsed. Uh, I just, again, I mentioned this uh, when I was just now on your, in your podcast, and I talked to this Canadian professor, Bruce party, who's saying it's like the end of Western liberal, liberal civilization. It's, it's over, it's finished. We are in this managerial state and technocracy. And so, uh, you know, if, if that's the state of affairs, then we're we're all going to go to where we feel more comfortable. And it's different for, everyone for some people it's where they are uh uh you know maybe it is within the uk but just going more rural or mm-hmm. uh you know maybe you can find some comfort living within urban uh globalist <laughs> uh, cities but again it, it's it's everyone has their own sort of formula but then mexico you know what you're you seem like you're going to continue staying here in mexico i am as as well Uh, You know, as far as we know, tomorrow anything can happen and then I can, in a moment's notice, disappear uh, anywhere. (laughs) But uh, just your further thoughts on on, uh, Mexico.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, I just think that Mexico is just a great country. I just think it's got so much going for it. You know, like we're obviously both living here now and have kind of like left our our home countries or I guess in your case, your second home country to come here. And, um, you know, it's just, I, I just feel like Mexico has the right, Attitude towards like so many things, you know. Generally, people just kind of like mind their own business. People aren't in each other's in each other's faces about stuff. The wokeism stuff hasn't really taken off here in the same way. I know that there are kind of small pockets of it, but in general, I don't think people even think about that kind of stuff. People just want to live a good life. You know, it's a it's a nice country. It's a beautiful place. There's huge amounts of land. There's huge amounts of um, opportunity um you know I, I really think that mexico now if it continues as it is you know being generally qu- quite an easy place to move to as well like inviting people in and especially where it's positioned near to canada and america and a lot of those people who are now working remotely have have come over to mexico to 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 live and to spend their money you know they're earning money in their home country and spending it in mexico i mean that's that's like an that's like uh bringing people into your co- country like that that's like and an export economy right that's exactly what it does you know you're you're having people bring money into the country but the money is coming from elsewhere and Mexico's really capitalized on that so uh yeah I think that it's I see only kind of like positive things as long as like nothing changes of course everything can change and I know that there's been like some states uh, which have kind of gone more down the draconian route in fact Jalisco where we are now being one of the ones which went more draconian or at least tried it they seem to try it in Guadalajara they didn't seem to it didn't um, have any effect out here, but I know they've been trying to do smart city like stuff in Guadalajara. But in general, like I just think in Mexico, it's a a completely unruly beast. You're never, it would take so long to implement a technocracy here. I mean, people, I I just think that there is a, a buffer there, you know, it's a country that generally focuses on what is economic rationality. And normally what is economically rational is good for freedom as well. And um, so, you know, I think that it seems to have a good alignment of those things.
0: Well, I hope you're right, and um, maybe we call you gray-pilled. You're gray-pilled, and I'm black-pilled. <laughs> a little less, uh, a few shades less of black, and yeah, I mean, what can I say? But Mex- well, what,
1: what what are you black-pilled on more so than No, no, I'm just,
0: I'm you know, the possibility of them being able to implement this even in a place like Mexico, but uh, again, these are all just approximations, and... Um, you know i i'm not saying it definitively i'm just seeing it it's possible that they could do all of this quickly mm-hmm. qr codes uh, cbdc's world coin and in places like mexico we're seeing in africa now deploy but then uh, you know anything can go wrong from nat- mm-hmm. natural weather events mm-hmm. that knock out i mean even it's it's precarious even electricity systems internet systems right now as we speak so um yeah, it's gonna be for them. They also do have an uphill battle, a uh, struggle, I guess. The the globalists, and what about the economy um, in general? Because I know, again, you're you're a Bitcoiner. Um, you do touch on uh, the economy and, and finance. What, what's your take um, in in terms of where we are in the Great Reset? You know, inflation is is raging. We we're talking about housing prices. It seems like the globalists are, no matter where you go, uh, whether it's Mexico or US or UK, Europe, uh, Croatia, it's almost like the prices of, of homes are stabilizing and across the board in all these countries um, at higher and higher prices, like hundreds of thousands of dollars just to own a average home where you know it didn't used to be the case. It's like everyone globally is being priced out of owning property just feels that way and so just your, your thoughts on the economy economic collapse and and so forth
1: yeah yeah I'll, i'm just going to briefly go back on, on, the la- on the last thing and i'll come to that second point so just uh to, to, to slightly counter the point about um you know mexico and it's going down this technocratic route i do think that you know there's there's a couple of things that i would say are like kind of key markers for why we could say like you know mexico is not going down that route like one would be, for instance, the uh, the number of um, the number of people who are actually like unbanked is actually rising in Mexico. So it's you know in, in most places in the world the the number of unbanked is unbanked is actually going down. So most people are entering the financial system. It's actually going the other way in Mexico. So we're going basically from I think it went from it's already very low numbers. I think it was in the low forties or the high thirty percent people who actually have a bank account here, and it actually fell over the past kind of five or ten years. So things like that give me a bit of hope like it, this the economy is almost becoming more of a cash economy um and then also just things like you know you look at like the uk is riddled with things like you know um uh cameras like you know you can't go anywhere without um without getting caught on camera like here it's not the case you know even when you go into shops and stuff it's not like there's not cameras everywhere you don't feel like you're always always being watched so you know, that, that's one of the reasons why I think, okay, I'm not saying it won't ever get there, but I think it's a much, much longer way off. Like it would, you've got, I think an, an extra 10 or 20 years runway here versus the Western world. So I just wanted to like cal- clarify that point, but on the, uh, on the economy thing you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is inflation, right? This is the world we live in. The world we live in is where, you know, money is just printed out of thin air and it's a deliberate ploy. It's a deliberate ploy to basically, um, Steal people's wealth. That that's essentially what it is. You're diluting people's wealth, and you're the the government is able to do it. And there the you know there's there's something called the the uh, Cantillon effect, which is where the government basically being the first to being the ones to print the money. When you spend that money um, you have the higher value. Like the, the value is not immediately decreased. The value as it circulates around the economy decreases over time. So it's kind of like if you're playing a game monopoly and someone slips a 500 out of the bank and then uses that 500, the first time you spend it, it operates just like any 500. Now it's only once it's entered the economy and been passed around a few times. And now it, now all of the 500s and all of the money has slightly gone down, right? So this is the Cantillon effect, like for people who haven't heard it. And, um, this is how our, our our essentially like our money system operates. It's just the government government prints money and then they uh, inject it into the economy and it causes prices to rise. But for the government's expenditure, it's uh, it's fine. You know they they get a lot of value out of that. By the time it's reached you, by the time it's been you know lent out by the bank or whatever and it's reached, reached the individual, well it's just inflated away. It's inflated away as everyone's existing savings and then the new money that enters the the system is also um, you know by default inflating at the same time. So this is the system we're under like it's uh you can protect yourself you know luckily there are avenues that people can protect themselves but people need to actually take like decisive action to do it and um you know unfortunately there's a lot of people who you know they're living day to day they they don't have actually any real savings to speak of so they have to use this cash system you know for for many people like 80 90 100 percent of their money is actually in cash it's not in any kinds of savings of savings or investments you know the other people, they they have money in things like the stock market to try and escape inflation, or they have money in precious metals or they have money in Bitcoin. And that's obviously like a really great thing. Um, the problem is it's kind of a Ponzi scheme. As soon as they stop printing the money, those things collapse as well. And I think that's probably what will happen is that they will like right now, for instance, they're you know they're increasing interest interest rates it's causing like a slow in the market but if that market continues to slow it's going to crash everything everything's going to come crashing down all of the house prices are going to come crashing down and then all of this this debt that people are sitting on generally in the value of their home but in other things as well all of this kind of like fake money that doesn't really exist that's, that only exists in the value of their assets suddenly just goes away overnight and when you have that you have a mass default event um what happens in that situation i don't think that there's ever been a bubble as big as today so we don't actually know how that will look i mean you know my my most likely scenario for that is just that the government comes around and says uh hey you know like i know that you have this mortgage which is worth you know a million dollars and you don't have nearly that much money because the price of the property has now gone down by 80 percent. so you're in eight hundred thousand dollars worth of debt don't worry you can have, uh, you know, your $200,000, which you actually have paid off. You can have that now. So you can have 20% of your house and the government has 80%. So now we own 80% of your house, you own 20% of it. And then you can pay us, you know, back over time. Or well, maybe they'll just keep it like that. Maybe they'll just accept it. And then you have kind of like socialized housing. You know, I, th- we've, we've been told time and time again, you'll own nothing and be happy. So we have to kind of genuinely start thinking like, how is that going to look? And I think that perhaps when you have this big crash, that's when they will have the apparatus apparatus in place to actually come in and say, okay, here's how we're going to manage the crash, and we're going to manage it, manage it in a way that people don't have assets, but people don't own anything, that they rent their home again, that they don't have equity in their home again. Um, that, I think, is the is a, a real risk. But, yeah, how it will play out, I don't know. Do, do you have ideas?
0: No, I've been reading exactly what, what you're just saying. They're, they're doing this, I think, in places in the U.S. where they're offering, uh, they're selling properties where uh, both – the government and the buyer co-own the mm-hmm. property mm-hmm. some form of socialized that's yeah. you know you people can read about it and you know just most recently john Robino, who's a friend of the uh podcast i uh, you know i read him and others you know adam taggart of WealthyOn, which is a big financial channel which i view as well he was he just did his first sub stack and he was uh reviewing the summary of these financial giants i know jeremy grantham i can't remember the name but basically the point is what, what, what you're saying that we are the u.s is going to enter a massive recession unlike anything we've seen in you know living uh, memory so we're again all these smart people are saying we are on the cusp of this economic deterioration you know we're talking about an inflation housing prices just across the board um and you know before asking getting into more of the parallel society stuff and and just brainstorming things that we can do to prepare uh and in staying free podcast i mean you did dive into a variety of of issues and we've kind of covered uh for me what are the most important ones but is there any other for you that's uh interesting something that we haven't covered i know i mean there's a lot of stuff there's health um and 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 other things, but is there anything else kind of that you've been thinking about uh, now? That's you know any any other interesting topic.
1: I mean, I guess like for me, the thing that I'm thinking about a lot at the moment is just ways of taking back sovereignty. Like, I think that the only solution for the individual to escape this is to ultimately find ways of operating outside of the system. And yeah, I, I think that you know, like we've we've talked about before, I'm a big advocate for Bitcoin. I think that that is the best way of protecting your wealth and for me like we know that everything kind of flows downhill from uh, money like you know money money normally is the is the is the is the, is the essentially the communication medium for value so you know if the money is broken you need to you need to fix that before you can really fix other things in society so i think that you know bitcoin obviously like precious metals uh, fit in this category as well as the best way for people to actually like protect their their wealth so I think that finding um, finding things outside of the system to to actually protect yourself and and or obviously like communi- your community as well is just going to be like really really crucial going forward and um, you know I think that that's the positive side of this like I think that what sometimes goes amiss in this kind of you know like uh, alternative media kind of freedom community that we like find ourselves in is people talking about the opportunities that are there you know because it's easy to talk about things that are all wrong and that are all dark and all the rest of it but there, i think that there is there's is always opportunity in there somewhere and i think that the thing that i'm really optimistic about is that people are actually finally losing faith in these legacy systems i think that the whole covid thing if it, it, it despite all of the the wrong and the evil that was involved there at least it was kind of like a real like red pill moment for a lot of people maybe some people were you know, not red-pilled at all. And that was their first experience. Some people were kind of semi-red-pilled and they, you know, they, they finally kind of like went the full hog. I think that that um, period was just like a really, really telling moment. And so many people kind of saw it for what it was and then said, okay, like we need to actually start, you know, taking real action, like finding people who are, who are like-minded, protecting your wealth. Because, you know, once you've realized the government can lie about something like that, it becomes much easier to accept the truth that they're lying about basically everything. You know, uh, like we were talking before about like uh, kind of um, global warming and things like this. I mean, I'm I'm somewhat undecided on global warming. I've just never really looked into the topic so much. But I could be completely. Um, I'm completely open minded now to the idea that you know either there is no global warming or that there or that the global warming is happening, but humans are are not you know the key contributing factor. So whereas before you probably wouldn't have been able to have that conversation with me i would have just been like ah but you know we've got all of these meteorologists that are saying this and these climate scientists saying that and um now that i've seen how that corruption can actually occur now that i've kind of like really I've i've borne witness to that you know like we've seen how science can be corrupted under political pressure and we've seen how this kind of groupthink mentality can take place so knowing that i think that gives us the opportunity to actually be like okay i know now that that's uh that these lies can exist on a, on a systemic level. So therefore, like, how can I actually find the truth and then act upon that truth to like protect my wealth and to stop myself getting caught in this net that they're kind of throwing across the entire globe, essentially. Um, so yeah, I would just like say, you know, I would just encourage people to, to find out what that is and to just say, okay, what is it? What are the other lies that we're being told? And then kind of like dig into those and to use everything that happened in the past two, three years with COVID, to use that as a kind of, as fuel for like finding the truth and, and actually saying, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to just go with the easy option of just believing a dogma. I'm actually going to do my real research into whatever the topic is and come to my own conclusion. I'm not going to just accept what I'm being told because hopefully COVID gave people enough of a, um, a taste of that to just know, okay, like that's not the path I'm going to take. Um, so yeah, I think that would be, that would be the, the main thing I would add, but I mean, unless there's any, anything else you wanted to, to discuss, I'm always open to chatting about more stuff.
0: No, just a Bitcoin. Um, since you're a Bitcoiner, I'm not uh, really, because some of that stuff is beyond me. I, yeah. I kind of like more the analog world, but I just thought, because I've been following this for years now, half a decade, I guess, and I've seen, I know in places like Mexico City, you know, the globalist urban areas and i'm using that phrase that's like an academic term go back to my guest gregory copley of the strategic studies association i interviewed him about his book and and that's the technical term most urban areas and capitals of any country on the on the planet are are globalist uh, ideology and culture uh, that's where that's where that stuff comes in first and then the rural areas are more like traditional and and sovereign and and stuff like that and so You'll see Bitcoin. You know, you'll I'll read about Bitcoin ATMs and businesses that accept Bitcoin in places like Mexico City and the big cities. But then everywhere else, it's few and far between. And I just kind of thought that maybe Bitcoin that it would have been accepted uh, and spread much quicker. But I kind of don't see that. I I, I don't I don't see Bitcoin ha- having been. It's not being really accepted by the masses. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that ultimately it's just really hard to change people, change something as entrenched as the way that people save and spend their money. It's just a very difficult thing. Like most people, you know, they, they have bills to pay and they say, well, I can only spend my bills in in dollars or whatever it is. And therefore they by default save in it. And they still, you know, I think even most people, they still have some vague belief that their money is backed by something, <clears throat> you know, whether that's, yeah, presumably like most people think at some point their money is backed by gold or if they don't, then they think that there is something at least restricting the number of paper notes that can exist. You know, most people just, they just don't know about money. Like it's not taught to us. It's very much kind of obscured. It's kind of hidden away. But I think that, you know, the more that you learn about money and the way that the economic system works, the less faith you actually have in it. So, you know, Bitcoin, obviously, it's not the only, um, it's not the only path to take if you're worried about that. You know, there is things like precious metals. I personally think, and, you know, I know that people like disagree with me on this and they think that. They think that Bitcoin being digital or being kind of non-tangible or whatever, that it's it's a threat, you know, because it's like, well, it's, it's not a real thing. You can't hold it in your hand. You know, it's all part of this kind of like fake world that's being created. And, you know, I, I, so I, I sympathize when people say that because there is, there is a lot of kind of non-real things that are being taken as, as real things in the world. There's a lot of kind of deception. But what I would say about Bitcoin is: you look at the actual rule set behind it, you look at the way that the consensus works. You know there is a finite amount of it. You know that it is globally decentralized. You know, you know how often the um, the transactions are going to go through. You know how many blocks there's going to be over a certain period of time. You know the issuance of coins. We actually know all of this, and you can literally read the read the the code if you're smart enough to do so. And you can know this with absolute facts, and you can run the software yourself. And, uh, you know, you can run your own node and you're running the rule set and you are a participant in that. You're not a, um, you know, this is is like having a vote in the economic system, essentially. Um, Now when it comes to obviously like precious metals and things like that, they have their place and I don't, um, you know, suggest that people should, should ignore them. But I do think that in this, in this, in this world that we have, where people want to be able to transact, you know, we have technology, uh, you know, people want to be able to send send payments on the phone. They want to be able to stream, uh, stream things and make micro payments and stuff. I think all of this, um, desire exists to have some form of digital money. So the question is not will digital money exist? The question is, Will digital money exist as CBDC being the the what people use to transact and save in? Or will people actually, you know, go the harder route and use Bitcoin and, you know, not expect an easy ride because the governments aren't going to be on board and the big corporations aren't going to be on board, but actually to kind of go that route and say, we want all of these features which are really useful and good as as digital money but we don't want the drawbacks we don't want censorship censorship right we don't want uh, inflation we don't want all of these things so i think if you can have both if you can have the qualities of of uh gold and silver the scarcity but you can have the ease of use the transactionability, the verifiability you know being able to instantly um send it around the world etc for very low fees um i think that it's we shouldn't ignore that opportunity that presents itself and i to go back to what you were saying like it's not really been adopted to the degree that um, you know maybe you would hope after X amount of years. Well, I think that with something like changing the entire financial system, when we look at when that's happened historically, when you've had big changes, it, it actually, you're looking at much, much larger timelines. I mean, Bitcoin has existed since 2009, it's now 2023, right? <laughs> so it's like, you know, 14 years is actually a very, very small amount of time for something like this. So, I expect that it's going to take uh, much more time for people to actually get on board with it uh, and to kind of like start trusting it and recognize that it's got longevity. Because if you're saying, okay, well, take your savings out and put it in something that's only existed 14 years, most people are going to say, well, that's crazy. So I think that we need, you know, over time, there's going to be this uh, increased kind of um, adoption of Bitcoin. And, you know, we, it seems to happen in these hype cycles. So every, every four years, um you have a like halving in the supply and normally that you know restricts it to a point where it makes the price go up and then more people get into it because they say okay well it's going up and then some people drop off and say okay well you know it went up but you know i'm i'm gonna sell and other people they they keep it and um and overall, though, you kind of tend to just get an increased number of people who are involved in it. And something that's happening now, and you know, we were talking about this before. That's happening in Mexico is that you've got these circular economies starting to, to starting to sprout up now. You know, people actually want to use it, they want to spend it, they want to accept it, they don't want to go through exchanges. And um, this is this is happening now, uh, like in Mexico, in different parts of the world. Uh, like El Salvador was kind of a you know a pioneer on this, but even that started from a really small community called Bitcoin Beach or um, El Zonte. And then it um, it went out from there and um, it started getting kind of like, you know, wider and wider attention. And now it's been adopted by a nation state. So a lot has happened, like we shouldn't kind of write off uh, things like a nation state adopting Bitcoin. I think that even most Bitcoiners wouldn't have ever expected that to happen <laughs> this, this soon. Uh, so big things are happening and you know, ultimately the main thing is like just educate yourself on it. You know, I don't go out there and just tell people just buy Bitcoin. I say like educate yourself on Bitcoin, learn about it, learn what it is and how it can actually be a useful tool for sovereignty, like for self-sovereignty in your life and then buy it if you agree with it. You know, and if you don't, maybe it's not for you maybe maybe you know you're you're not someone who wants to use that technology maybe you are, you would rather just buy the gold buy the silver and i don't you know kind of chastise people for for doing that but um i do think that everyone should at least be asking themselves questions about how to protect their money like that that's the first step
0: well mr bitcoin bukele wants to end the nation state and create the central american union but anyways it's a conversation yeah. for uh, another time and then we've sort of covered the waterfront you know any final thought for us and then obviously you're not on youtube Pe- yeah. pentagon tube as i like to call it uh so uh final thoughts and then let us know of course your links are in the description but um the best place is to follow staying free podcast and support it
1: yeah, um, I mean, on all of the main podcast channels, you can find it. So if you just search the staying free podcast, then you, you're going to find it. It's on you know Spotify, Apple, and you know all, all the rest of it. At least for now. At least you know, I found that podcast platforms they're very you know they're much better with censorship because i think because it kind of gets essentially like syndicated out to all the different platforms none of the platforms want to be the one to censor it you know it's kind of like a bit of a mexican standoff right um they if you're the if you're the only one to censor it nobody's going to use your podcast platform so i do like the way that podcasting works it is generally more censorship resistant uh but yeah i'm not going to be putting my full episodes on youtube anymore i just don't i i just don't like putting my content on a platform and, you know, YouTube um, essentially just censoring me. And I just think that the way they treat the content creators is at some point you need to kind of walk away from the table. So yeah, I won't be putting there. I'm going to try and keep putting trailers there and then just link through to my main content just so that at least the people who are following on YouTube who like to use it to subscribe, they can just click a link and find it on another platform. So I'm going to be building up Rumble as my new video platform, but for now it's probably it might be audio only for for a little while while i set that up but um yeah the staying free pod look at the links i've just done an episode with avori as well so uh we literally just did an episode before this one for my pod uh which unfortunately is audio only because the video completely screwed up uh but hey yeah it was that was also a good conversation so check that one out and um yeah thank you for having me on again
0: always great to chat uh next time i'm in the pv or wherever we find ourselves we'll uh meet again and yeah i'm gonna start doing that as well uh my past my most recent podcast has not been uploaded to youtube uh i still have i need to post the trailer and uh this episode will not be fully uh the full episode won't be on youtube it'll just be the trailer and i i did this when they heavily censored me uh like one or two or three years ago i went through a phase where there are a bunch of podcasts i think maybe a few of my guests were miffed uh but I was on strike, I couldn't upload. Uh, and so I'm gonna try again to urge people to get off of Pentagon tube, really. I mean, there's like, I'm on Geopolitics and Empires on five alternative video platforms. There's really no excuse if you wanna watch the video. It's like, you've got Odyssey, Rumble, Rockfin, Brighteon, mm-hmm. I can't even remember them. Oh, uh, what? There's one more <laughs> Bid shoot yeah who needs YouTube uh, anymore for, for video uh, platforms so but how many
1: how many episodes are you, are you generally putting out because that sounds like a, a hell of a lot of platform like that's a lot of time spent managing those platforms
0: like it, it, it is a lot of time which that's why I need uh, donations from 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 uh, people but it's not it's, it doesn't take uh, that long to upload each episode right, to, okay. to you know just copy paste the, the description and upload the video it's, it's usually not, sure. not not that big a problem so anyways uh johnny thanks for being on and uh thanks thanks to people listening